All right. Thanks for joining us on this Friday, Black Friday. Well, we're going to change that to White Friday and bring in David James. David, good morning. Good morning, Patrick. (laughs) It'd be helpful if I was actually brought in when I started talking. (laughs) Yuck. (laughs) Ryan Abraham's coming up next to talk USC. Man, how many gazillion BYU fans are going to show up to send USC to four and seven while the Cougars rise to ten and two? Well, right now, I am. I've just pulled off to the side. I am in Barstow. (laughs) It is fun to travel with your team on the road. And I know a lot of BYU fans aren't really necessarily traveling all that much because maybe they live in the area and go over to the game. But uh, it is fun to go to another stadium, hit the road with your team, see if they can pull off the W. Well, you know, the thing that I've figured out is I can equate – Attendance increases with the proximity of the football stadium to the Latter-day Saint Temple. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sounds like, a, sounds like a, a geometry slash physics problem. I was never good at those, but I think I know where you're going. And as you know, I mean, you know firsthand, obviously, the Latter-day Saint Temple is on Santa Monica Boulevard. Sing it. This is just an opportunity for you to sing. This is all a build-up. And when the sun sets over Santa Monica Boulevard. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I see what you're doing. Out of kid. Santa Monica Boulevard. They got to get a temple. They got to get a temple, though, in South Central, don't you think? Uh, Yeah, one day. Yep, one day. It'll happen. (laughs) Are you prophesying? Uh, I guess I am. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. Boy, who knew? I was trying to. Honestly, I was trying to minimize and deflect, but apparently, I did prophesy. <laughs> so <laughs> it's confusing. Got, I'm, this has right been now, quite I'm like that. I'm like that. I'm like that fan they pull out of the stands and put the put the bat on their nose during the timeout in the jazz game and spin them around. That's where I am. <laughs> I'm about this has to been staggered towards half court. Quite the morning that we've had. David James Snigglorf the third has prophesied there'll be a Latter Day Saint <laughs> Temple one day in South Central. And earlier this morning, in the same paragraph, if not the same sentence, David Locke said the names Donald Trump and Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Oh, gosh, I don't want to know. <laughs> did he not, Yach? Did he back me up? True, true story, he did. And it, <laughs> it's a, yeah, DJ, you just, no, it's too hard to explain. Yeah, it's probably better if I don't know. <laughs> he, he, he's usually on one, but he might have set the record of oh, being it, on one. Uh, legendary, legendary he performance. Said, Hello, David, sat back and let him go. Uh, yeah. He, he was skiing in the backcountry. Just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know when they say, don't get off the trails? <laughs> mm-hmm. He did. He, he, oh, yeah. I mean, he was skiing in some areas that I don't believe I've ever been skied on before or in. Wow. Uh, yes. <laughs> so you've got that and then your propositization. And we'll just have to uh, 
We'll have to see if that comes to pass because one day knows? I left it wide open. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, who knows? I mean, it may not even be in the Earth existence as we know it, but who's to say, right? You never know. So, I, I, there's no way that I can guarantee that you are going to be wrong. But we're talking about you. Talk about BYU. Think about this, Sniggy. Is that they will go f- have an opportunity to go five and zero? Which I think that it's not just cool. I think it's important. You know, Kyle in his press conference earlier this week was talking about how that they were gaining some recognition for the success they have, and you're you're constantly recruiting. You're never not recruiting yeah. in college sports. It's it's always there. And so we're talking about how all right, we know that the Cougars are going in the Big Twelve here in uh, what fourteen games basically. Now that's going to be spread over almost a two year period, but you know they've got a couple games left this year and then next year. And then after that, they'll be in the conference. But you wonder how much of the recruiting area will really change because obviously in the West, they're much more prominent, not just with church members, but uh, uh, non-member Bob would be more familiar with LDS people, which might in turn make him more comfortable to consider BYU. Even as they go into the Big 12, will they really be able to recruit strong there compared to the West? I don't think so. So I think that this game tomorrow and being able to say we're 5-0 and against this conference, I think that can help bring in recruits because never again are they going to play five games in a single season against the conference. That's literally never going to happen, right, in the Pac-12. No. Right. Now without massive conference realignment, you're going to have eight or nine of your 12 games in league play. So do the math. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if if they play, maybe they can play two, play the Utes or somebody in the regular season, and then get somebody in a bowl. Uh, That's conceivable. But this is it. So you'll never have a chance to go 5-0. and So for a lot of different reasons – I think this game has a fair amount of impact tomorrow night. Yeah, and I think that even when USC is awful, USC is a story. In all of its awfulness, it's a story. And the high school kids and the high school coaches in Southern California are watching. So go down, play a fun brand of football, throw it around a little bit, hit a deep shot to whichever receivers are going to be healthy for this game, and uh, do what you've been doing all year and look good. And people are going to be watching, you know. It's, it's SC. People are always watching, even when they're terrible. And so this could have, when you think about it, this could have short-run ramifications because you don't know who's going to go into the transfer portal and say, wow, look at how they play, but that kid left to go to the pros or that kid is hurt now for the year. I have a chance to play at that position. And you don't know long-term what high school kid who is going to go on a mission and redshirt and is going to be a prominent player in five or six years is watching this game. It can be all sorts of impact. Everything, you, you, I hate it when you're right and you get to repeat yourself over and over again, but everything matters a little bit. Nothing is all that important and over the top. You know, this is just one game, but it's another piece of the puzzle for BYU. Yeah, although I, I do have a fair level of concern about this. And the three sco- the, our three schools, the way I rank it, is I have zero concern on the Utes. I have minimal concern on the Aggies. And I have a fair amount of concern on the Cougars. Well, for the Utes, they are playing a team that is, uh, let's see, the Colorado offense is 12th in yards per game in the Pac-12. 
They are 12th in passing yards per game. They are 11th in points. They score 19 points a game, and Arizona scores 17. I guess if you're going to have a little concern, it's the fact that the Utes gave up 14 points to Arizona on the first two drives. I mean, they did come out sleepwalking. But they still won the game on the road, so at home on senior day, I get your point. It doesn't seem like going to mess this up. seems like the Utah defense ought to overwhelm the Colorado offense. I mean, I don't think the Utah offense is going to be held to 17 points, but it feels like 17 ought to win the game. Now, I think they'll get more than that. but So I get your point. The Utes ought to handle Colorado. I guess your concern with the Aggies is that they, in the words of Jerry Sloan, play backwards and beat themselves and come out and turn it over and are sloppy and never get their mojo back, that they're so whacked out by the last game they let it impact the next game. Shouldn't happen, though. Mexico's not good. So by default, no, it shouldn't, USC, but... That, you know, by default, the USC is the most intriguing, troublesome opponent. And they can't yeah, score. I, they I can think score. they're dangerous. Yeah. I think they're the wounded animal proverbial thing there. And now they know if they don't. I, 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 you talk about how they may fold. Yeah, they may not look forward to some nobody cares bowl game. I mm-hmm. get that. But I also think they don't want to finish under 500, and the only way they can avoid that is by winning their last two games, and they should have a decent chance to beat Cal. So, and this is—I uh, don't even know where that game is. Is it in Berkeley or LA? Uh, but this—I'm not sure where the game is. This could be their last home game there, and and I and I think that in a sense, yeah. Where is the Stanford game? Because they're usually opposite. Stanford was home. Okay, then it's away. I know full well it was home because it was awful in the Coliseum, and that's the Clay Hilton got fired game. Uh, And I think in a sense that you're right, there'll be a big crowd for the Cougars, and Mm -hmm. I think that fires up the home team. Hey, wait a second here. I I got all these loudmouth Cougar fans. I I don't want them to win. Yeah. Initially, yes. USC will come out with energy, and they don't want to lose the seventh game and be guaranteed to lose in season. There's a certain amount of pride in all of that. But I think it's more a question of what happens when they turn the ball over, what happens when they give up a big play. Is that when the shoulders slump, the head goes down, and they don't have any energy? You're right. They'll come out with it. I mean, BYU will have to go out and get the lead, and the longer you let them hang around, blah, blah, blah. We know all of that. But BYU is the better team. So, so who are you out. choosing, the Cougarettes or the SC Songirls? <laughs> I grew up in Southern California, so the SC Songirls. Yeah, never made sense to me uh, why they had the white horse running around the Coliseum, though. That doesn't make any sense to me. So, what is it about the Songirls that gives you the edge? Is it just the proximity? Yeah, I think so. But it's not that you feel that they're just, you know, outrageously sexier? Here you go. This is how Locke got in trouble, isn't it? No, I don't know not what even happened. close. <clears throat> I don't know what happened. Locke didn't get in trouble. Locke willingly went down that road. <laughs> he went sprinting. <laughs> yes. Give me the mic. Here I go. I mean, he was quoting some guy named Joseph Campbell, who I'm not even sure who that is. Who? Yeah, wasn't it? Didn't he go Joseph Campbell? Yeah, there were name after name after name and example after example thrown out in this long answer that probably went for a good five or so minutes. 
And the question oh, yeah. was, why didn't the Jazz look better in Oklahoma City? Yeah, pretty much. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no, it was. It we were talking about identities. Did you see that Nick Saban thing? Uh huh. Yeah. The thing that he did the other night when he was uh, one of the two minute rants at the podium about yeah. you, you, you want us to blow everybody out, and these are college kids, not professionals. Yeah, 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 I, yeah, I yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah I saw it on. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. So that's I brought up about how. Uh, how I've always been an intense sports fan, but I've never, uh, not never, but rarely have been an intense result of sports fans. Mm-hmm. It doesn't determine my mood or anything like that. And so, and I said, Nick Saban, you know, basically that's what Nick Saban was saying. Try to find perspective in this stuff. These yeah. are college kids here. And all this, and Locke didn't want to hear it at all because obviously Saban pushing ten million dollars a year oh, based oh, on yeah. on, and it is yeah, somewhat two faced. Yeah. I I get all that, but at the same time, I took his point, and then he went off, and we ended so up I, with identity yeah. politics. I did think. Oh wow, I did think watching it that. Um, Saban's message is right, but he's not the right messenger. Precisely, that's a, a, yes. That's a message people need to hear, and I think it's yes. largely on point, but it's not coming from the right guy. <laughs> no. Right, because he's I'm, cashing in big time. I'm cashing in big time. You, you've watched me win. I've probably graded on you at some point, and now I'm going to lecture you on how you ought to feel. Well, he's David's right. on point this he's morning. not the perfect messenger. Right, right, but but that's but see, but that's I've lectured on that, but I'm nobody, and nobody's going to listen to me and say, yeah, man, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I hear what yeah. he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Instead of telling people what not to do, maybe tell them, you know, suggesting a little more what they can do. You know, it's like regardless of the final score, you get six if you're a big time football program and you're buying home games in the SEC. You get seven home games a year. Once in a while, there's an outlier school that gets eight, but it's very rare, right? So this is six or seven times a year that you get to go hang out with your friends, tailgate all day long, go and watch a team. In the case of Alabama, go in and watch a team that's probably going to win. And so he's probably getting negativity because every coach does, and they're 10-1. and one. So why are you getting a lot of negativity at 10-1? and one? Brady Hoke at San Diego State has rubbed me the wrong way multiple times in his multiple stints at San Diego State with stuff he's said or done or not done. But they're 10-1. and one. I'm not loathing the guy right now. He had to wake his guys up at 5.30 in the morning to feed him chicken and whatever else they eat for the pregame meal. Because <laughs> they got funny. an early morning game with Boise State. Get a chance to win the division today. Why complain at 10-1? and 1? Then you're just complaining all the time, and then sports isn't fun. And I thought that was the whole thing. I thought sports was fun. Should be, yeah. All right, the Ox telling us we got to go, so have fun. We'll talk to you Monday. All right, see you Monday. All right, that's David James, the Hall of Famer, David James. He'll be back. The gang will be back. The group will be back in its proper order with me shooting spitballs at the back of the bus, as he likes to say, on Monday. But coming up next, we're going to do a deep dive into USC. Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. The new Zone lineup is here. With the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. 
Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hans and Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes Unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local. All day, every day. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. All right, guys, you want to go to the Jazz game tonight? Jump on it right now. Be caller 12. What's the number, Yawk? 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. Yeah, you heard it right there. Uh, Opportunity to go to Jazz game tonight on The Zone. You know, we got the slacker headlines that are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call or visit Lee'sHeatAC.com now to schedule a free home, a free in-home estimate or free second opinions. And the one of the big headlines is the Cougars playing the Trojans. Joining us now is Ryan Abraham. He's publisher of uscfootball.com and host of the podcast of Champions. Ryan, are you ready for 15,000 BYU fans to invade the L.A. Memorial Coliseum tomorrow night? They're already around. You can see the blue shirts uh, everywhere in Los <laughs> Angeles. So, yeah, I think it's going to be uh, – you'll have a good time in the Coliseum. Um, yeah, USC is kind of a program that's – I mean, honestly, like circling the drain right now, just trying to figure out who the next head coach is going to be. They seem to just be – playing out the string, but it's college football. Anything could happen. But, yeah, it's uh, the way UCLA handled USC uh, last weekend, I don't think it gives USC fans a ton of hope that uh, this weekend's going to go much better. Yeah, so you look at the offense, and whether it's Slovis or Dart, uh, they've been pretty good. Running backs have been okay. Obviously, the big receivers are, but they still got some other guys there. So offensively, they look okay. But defensively, they're atrocious. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. In special teams, they had they gave up the kickoff to the Bruins. I'm wondering, since the offense seems to be okay and the defense just needs a ton of work, how much do you think that will play into whether they decide to hire an offensive head coach or a defensive head coach? Yeah, I mean, even the offense, to be honest, has just not been what it was like we saw in 2019 when they first introduced the air raid. Uh, I mean, there's been some games, like Jackson Dart's first game against Washington State when he came in after Slovis got hurt. They look great. But since uh, Drake London's gone down, it just doesn't seem to be clicking uh, all that much for the offense. So, I, you know, I don't know just the struggles this year if it's going to impact where they go. Sometimes you like to go opposite. If it was an offensive coach, you like to get a defensive coach. But I really feel just, you know, that this administration is just trying to find who the best guy is going to be for the next 10 years. And when fans talk to me about, oh, they need a defensive guy, they need an offensive guy, I think you just need the best leader of men you can find, someone that you think can bring this program back to national prominence where it should be. So I don't think it's going to impact it either way as far as offense or defensive, but there's some interesting candidates out there, but a lot of candidates seem to be wanting to stay where they are. So with all these jobs open, it's crazy right now. It's like musical chairs, and I don't know how many seats are left for uh, with great head coaches that these programs could jump on. So is, is Dart going to start or is Slovis? Yeah, so Dart's going to be the guy. Um, Keontae Ingram, the running back, has done really well. He's going to be a game-time uh, decision, but we still haven't seen Slovis practice this week. So my, my guess is... Once he got that lower leg injury, they, I mean, I think, I think the coaches wanted to go with Dart, or at least Dante was go with Dart just to get some excitement going. 
Um, you know, he played half of the previous games, the Arizona Arizona State games. He split times with Slovis, and then last weekend against uh, UCLA, he got the whole, you know, the whole thing. So uh, it, to me, just the offense sort of looked the same. But he's got a lot of promise. Uh, you know, the Draper Utah kid, and I think the fans have really been behind him. But you know, without Drake London out there, just the offense doesn't seem to to work as a, a finely oiled machine, no matter who the quarterback is. So is Slovis done with college ball? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I think he's got options. Like, Dart seems to be the future at USC. You obviously, with new head coaching coming in, you just don't know. I mean, they could be running a triple option for all we know. I doubt it, but I guess something like that could happen. Uh, I kind of lean towards that, that Slovis might try to test the NFL waters uh, before it, or go into the transfer portal. I think it would be more like try out the NFL. Um, you know, I probably not going to be a high draft pick, but if he can get on a roster somewhere, he can kind of make a name for himself. I mean, he, he has the option to transfer somewhere too. I just don't see him being in a Cardinal and gold next season either way. Ryan Amberham, publisher of USCfootball.com, joining us. Some talk we've been bat- bannering this about this whole week here is that, okay, SC's four and six. Uh, the way I look at it is that, you know, obviously they don't want to finish under 500, so they got Cal next week and they got the Cougars this week. And uh, with that in mind, the other line of thought is, hey, let's get this season over, pack it in. We got two games uh, in uh, eight days. The season will be over and we can forget about it. I tend to think that, you know, they don't want to finish under 500, so I'm expecting as much as they can. So at least in the beginning, if not the entire game, but in the beginning, be emotionally into it to try to give the Cougars a run. How about you? Yeah, no, I agree with you. The problem was this is kind of a team. It's like a boxer that uh, can't take a punch really well. It seems like they could come out and be fired up and, and be excited. But as soon as you see some adversity, as soon as something goes wrong on the field, it's hard for everyone to kind of rally around that. I just think, you know, you have a lot of people that are probably thinking – individual thoughts as opposed to thinking about the team because, you know, even the coaches know likely in eight days they're without a job, uh, you know, barring some miracle where they win their last two games and and make a bowl game. But, um, yeah, you feel like that's sort of the case that they could come out and play strong, but is it going to be able to last? I know there's players that want to make it to a bowl game. I mean, this team hasn't won a bowl game since the 2016 season when they won the Rose Bowl in 2017 over Penn State. That's the last time they won a bowl game. So I think some of the players still want to do this, but the way that's gone down where you have 10 games of an interim head coach after firing a head coach, that's a long stretch. And I think there's a lot of people that are sort of like counting the number of meetings, counting the number of practices left, and like you mentioned, two games in the, in the last eight days. So I think there's going to be a little bit of a mix of that on the team. If they can get some going early and keep it going, the problem is, I think if there's any bumps in the road, I'm not sure this team's going to be able to overcome that and be able to keep their heads in the game for the full 60 minutes. So, other programs in the or programs in the Pac-12 have picked off notable LDS players, right? And obviously, the BYU sponsored by the LDS Church, and you know, Jackson Dart being one of them, and they picked off Utah kids. This is sort of out of your league because you're focused on SC a little bit. But what do you think about the Cougars going 5-0 and in the Pac-12 this year? Uh, two good seasons, momentum going into the Big 12 uh, in terms of maybe not losing some of these kids to these other programs that they need to get. 
Yeah, I think just the you see the success on the field and putting a guy like Doc Wilson as a you know a top three whatever draft pick. I mean, there's I think there's some momentum building there from BYU just to be able to beat um, potentially the the winner of the Pac-12 North, North and South this season going undefeated uh, in the Pac-12. I mean, that's that's saying something. I think you know you want to have legitimacy. Cincinnati has. Some legitimacy because they beat Notre Dame. You know, Indiana's not as good, but to go, you know, five in the Pac-12, I think that's really impressive to me. And they're going to be part of the, you know, trying to get the Big 12 back to what everyone's going to think is Power Five stats without Oklahoma or Texas. I think that's going to be, you know, BYU could be an important, you know, piece of that puzzle. So, uh, yeah, I think you can build the momentum there. There's going to be, you know, guys that leave for other programs all the time, but. Uh, I mean, you know, being legitimate in the state, being legitimate in the region, you know, being able to recruit California and Texas, whatever. Do, you know, I think you got to do all that stuff as well. But um, certainly seems like BYU's taking some, you know, steps in the right direction when you can go five and zero against the Power Five league. Ryan Abraham joining us. Any idea what the time frame is on hiring a coach? Obviously, they've had the longest because they fired him, what, in game two. He's already got another job, which is, I don't know if it's ironic, but it's just indicative of the crazy season. And so now we're upon it. You know, the season for at least the regular season for most teams, except for the conference title games, ends tomorrow. So I'm thinking it ought to be fairly soon, right? We should know pretty soon. I mean, the problem is there's a lot of coaches in play that their seasons could go on longer than you expect. If it's someone like, uh, you know, Iowa State's Matt Campbell, he's not making the conference championship game. And potentially after this weekend, um, you could hear something about that. If it's a guy like Luke Fickle, I mean, he's making a run in the college football playoff. That might not be until January where you get to, uh, you know, hire someone like him. So, and, And the fact that there is the LSU job open, and the Florida job open, you know, in Virginia Tech, Washington, TCU, there's a bunch of, you know, good top 20, top 15, three top 10 jobs that are open right now. And you might not be getting the guy you want when you guys like James Franklin, Mel Tucker, sign these huge extensions. Uh, you know, there's reports that Dave Aranda would be sticking around. But, there, I, I, yeah, I mean, it could be as soon as this weekend, but it might not be, you know, for weeks to come. But it's just it's just been absolutely crazy. Uh, and the amount of money being thrown around when you can set, sign these guys to ten-year extensions—it's uh, changing. It's changing the game. So it might not be the best time to have a, you know try to be trying to hire a head coach just because there's so much competition right now. It's like real estate. Uh, there's just not a lot of inventory out there. Yeah, could you handicap uh, who you see as potential candidates, and would you put Sataki on that list? Uh, I, I think he could potentially be, especially with the way things are are going, where it looks like there's you know maybe not one, no one's going to get their first choice. Um, I mean, he, you know, the kind of toughness he's bringing, especially that you know if he comes into the Coliseum and really puts a beat down on him. He, people talk about Mario Cristobal when he came into the Coliseum last year and beat USC. They wanted to see him as a candidate, which I don't really see. But I think the three that you know everyone's been talking about the most is Dave Aranda, Baylor. Matt Campbell at Iowa State and Luke Fickle at um, at Cincinnati, and you know Mike Bone has already hired Luke Fickle once, uh, but two of those guys, you know Fickle and Campbell, there's been a lot of talk about they're more Midwestern guys. They probably don't want to leave for the the glamour of Los Angeles, and you know there's reports recently at Dave Aranda they're trying to work a a deal with him. He's only been there two years at at Baylor, but you know has a chance to 
win a conference this year. So there's, I mean, those are the top three, and all three of them might end up staying where they are. So it's uh, that's why it's such a silly season. Um, so many, so many crazy things going on. There's got to be so many interesting behind the scenes conversations going on, trying to figure out who's going to go where. So we're uh, we're all waiting like beta, with bated breath just to try to find out who's going where. For sure, Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com, joining us. So I, I think that SC, you know, they've got to get it right because if you look at what's happened since the Utes have joined the conference, uh, I, I tallied it up here just in my head, so I could be off. But I think that the other five teams in the, just the division, not the conference, just the division, in the time that the Utes have been in and they came in in 2011, there has been 20 head coaches and the other five teams in that time that Utah's just had one. And I think SC's had five. Uh, yeah. and obviously, that just is not going to work. And I think if you look at it, one of the keys, if not the key of success for Utah is stability, whereas nobody, literally nobody else in the division has had stability in the coaching. 100%. I think continuity is a big deal. And I think Lynn Swan tried to create that at USC when he was there because he came from the Pittsburgh Steelers model. The problem is, you know, if you have success, continuity is great. If you're not having success, and they weren't having success with Clay Helton, they signed him to like this fully guaranteed five-year extension, Lynn Swan did, and he goes five and seven, you know, six months later. So there's problems there, too. That end up, you know, USC end up getting locked up with Clay Helton for years longer than they wanted, and now they're the mess of the program that they are right now. But I think finding those guys is important. And if, if you're not sure, you know, Mel Tucker, I think they really like him at Michigan State. Um, and they're going to overpay for him just to keep him and just to have that that continuity and the stability like you talked about. And I think it's going to be a lot easier to uh, stick with the guy you know, uh, especially if they're having somewhat level of success and try to build on that as opposed to starting fresh. And I, maybe we see less of a silly season going forward if this coaching carousel this this season with all the top jobs open uh, doesn't turn all that well, uh, turn out well for those programs that you're not able to get someone that you can have continuity with. Uh, I think people have itchy trigger fingers when it comes to this stuff, but yeah. we're seeing programs that kind of stick with their guy have better luck. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining us. The only thing that really matters, though, in the long run is there's about 115 days till St. Patrick's Day at Hennessy's in Hermosa, right? Yes. <laughs> I'll see you there. You want to come out? Well, it'll be great. Well, green beer and everything. I used to go when I lived down there in Pedro, but now, now I go for Pac-12 Media Day, so I'm there in the end of July. But thanks for joining us, Ryan. Uh, thanks for having me on. All right, that's Ryan Hammer, Abraham, publisher of uscfootball.com. Doesn't give the Trojans much hope. Cougars running to 10 wins. That would be absolutely awesome. All right, we will come back, close up the last Friday in November show. Can you believe it? Stay with us, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
Raiders got a big win yesterday. Did you see that? Yeah, beating the Cowboys in overtime. And did you know coverage of the Las Vegas Raiders all season long right here on The Zone is brought to you by America First Credit Union? It is the exclusive home of the official Raiders debit card. All the same great features and benefits. Now with the silver and black, you can learn more at AmericaFirst.com slash Raiders. Yeah. All right, wrapping up the show on this Friday. already told you about somebody tweeted at us, said Locke was an idiot. Nah, he's just making a point. Roll with it. Accept people's differences if you don't agree with them politically. Why can't we get along? You know what I mean? You chest a trailer calling me out. He's right. Me being a man of music, I should know. The sun doesn't go down over Santa Monica Boulevard. It comes up. Yep. I stand corrected. UST? Yep. Sun comes up over Santa Monica Boulevard. Yeah, not too far from where the Cougars are going to be playing football tomorrow at the historic Coliseum. That's an old, old venue. It's so old that years ago I entered the, uh, it was a junior achievement uh, 10K and I did it because I had the opportunity to run through the tunnel at the Coliseum and finish on the track. They don't even have the track in there anymore. What if they had three Olympics? And I can remember they took us, uh, we parked at the Coliseum, then they took us downtown, and I had never run a 10K. I think that was the only time I ever did run a 10K. I think I've run a few 5Ks, but I didn't. Uh, the 10K was the first time I'd ever done it. And what is that? It's like uh, five and a half plus miles or something and we started at downtown and we had to run up this hill and i'd never run that far and i thought oh my gosh man this is going to be way too long and i started hyperventilating i could barely breathe as we started but uh i got my my second win so to speak and finished i think i finished in like 56 minutes and i got to run on the track in the coliseum when I was living there, and that was fun. And anytime you go on the Coliseum, it's an historic venue. It's been remodeled multiple times, and the Cougars get to do that. Now, I don't know, Yak, have they ever won down there? I don't think they have, right? Uh, they've only played there once, if I recall correctly, okay. in 03, and they lost okay. that game. But that's it? Yeah, I, I covered the game for the Watchdog at that point, they, and that was uh, that was when they were rolling. I was just going to say, there's some certain names that are like all-timers <laughs> that are on those teams. Yeah, yeah. They play, I think they played there in 03 and mm-hmm. then in uh, Provo in 04. Yep, Leinert, Bush, Lindell White were all in Provo in 04. Yeah, yeah. And they, had, they obviously, that was at the height of Pete Carroll's uh, phenomenal run that they ever that they had. And that the problem with that, I mean, that's a great run when they had it. They dominated. But then the, the, uh, the subsequent coaches are expected to live up to that, and that's really, really hard to do. So we'll see who ends up being the next Trojan football coach. I, I don't know that they can live up to that. Things have changed so much, and it's hard to do. But that ghost of Pete Carroll looms large. And so it would be fun that if BYU is the one that played there once, the Cougars play there every other – or the Utes play there every year, I should say, and they had never won there, but they – Broke through that barrier rather easily here in October, and now the Cougars will try to win. I don't know how many more times they'll play there. They may not. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. If they end their schedule, uh, SC to have a series with them, who knows? Probably not. Probably not for a long time. So this is a great opportunity to beat SC for the second consecutive time because you beat them a couple years back in OT at your place uh, when Slovis was a freshman. Now you got this opportunity to go there. So much riding on that for the opportunity to win 10 ball games, finish 10-2 and two in the regular season. And then if you don't get a New Year's Day 6, I'd be sort of on the surprise size that you would get that. But if you don't get that, then you got an opportunity to finish 11-2 and because you'll play a Patsy in a bowl game in the Independence Bowl. And you should be able to beat whoever you play there, right? Yeah, I would think so. So 11-1, and 11-2, and wow, that is a lot of winning. Same goes for the Utes. Throw out last year, they've had a lot of winning too. I expect them to roll against Colorado. The Aggies getting underway here. Scotty will have the pregame show starting right here at the top of the hour. They play at 11. For them to go 9-3 and three in Blake Anderson's first year, I would think that would make him coach of the year in the conference. Kyle's probably coach of the year in the Pac-12. And obviously Kalani can't get coach of the year because they're not in the conference for another year plus. There you go. Stay with us. We've got our guys, Jake Scott, Ben Anderson, coming up next right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for living. Thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving weekend. DJ will be back on Monday. Look forward to talking to you then.